What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Yo, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you are visiting with us today, we want to say welcome. So glad that you are here. As uh, let, me, let me go ahead and remind you of the four things we're about here at Victory. Growing, guiding, giving, and going. We want to help people grow to know God, guide, help them to freedom, uh, give them the opportunity to serve in their purpose, and then go and make a difference. In the entire month of July, we focused on our go value, and we did so many different things throughout the community. If you were here, you heard from food banks to serve days to teacher recognition, all kinds. We're getting emails this whole past week uh, from the teachers of the school thanking us for what we did with their lounge and different things. And so can you give yourself a hand real quick on the way you serve the church or way you serve the school and all that happened? And, and I want to take August and really focus on our grow value, growing. And I want to give you two quick announcements before we get in the word. Number one is if you are interested in being baptized in water. Uh, maybe you've recently given your heart to the Lord, or maybe whatever the relationship might be between you and him has been time, and you decide that now's the time you want to be baptized. Do me a favor, uh, on the 18th, so two Sundays from now, we'll be baptizing people, and so you can either sign on the app, or you can go out to the Welcome Center, you'll see it with all the words that say welcome. You can go out there, and you can get signed up for water baptism, we want you to do that. <clears throat> and then secondly, Malcolm mentioned just for a second about growth track. And I really want to push that because here's why. We're getting ready to get into a very busy season with Dream Again. We've got a series after Dream Again where we're going to go into our community and really uh, watch people come in here and have the opportunity to see people get saved. It's, it's, so many cool things are happening. But here's the deal. We believe you're here on purpose because you... And so we want you to be able to operate in that purpose and impacting lives. And if you're visiting today, you saw that. You, get, you drove into the parking lot all the way to getting to your seat. There were people here loving on you, impacting you, and they're using their gifts and their purpose on Sunday, but also in all kinds of avenues in the church. And so God gave you a purpose. And we want you to be able to use that purpose to not only impact other people, but to impact the kingdom of God. And so as Malcolm said, 30, 40 minutes, we'll watch your kids, uh, use it as a date night, whatever you want to do. But go in there, learn more about the church. Today, step one, it's the best day to start. Amen? You ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, open up to the book of James. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can look online or on your phone, or you can follow along behind me. We are in a series, and as Pastor Brian said, we bring it to a close today. We have been in this series. You ready? This is the 10th week. Wow. We've never done a series this long, and what we've done, if you have been here with us every Sunday or you followed online, we have personally studied an entire book of the Bible together. And that's pretty incredible. What we've been doing, again, if you're visiting, it's your first time here, we've kind of taken this book during the summer, and in an expository way, we've just gone through it verse by verse by verse, and I would read some of it, then we kind of come back and apply it to our lives, and so we have officially studied a book of the Bible. And before we close, I thought it might be cool to kind of look back and see what we've learned over the past nine weeks, just kind of some bullet points to give you an idea of, of just some of the things we've learned. So hit me with those bullet points of the past nine weeks. And so uh, number one is my joy. Go ahead. Y'all got that for me? My joy isn't a feeling. It's a decision. So James let us know my joy. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Uh, there is a difference in trials and temptations. The second thing he taught us was be slow to speak, quick to listen, <clears throat> that my calling isn't to be right, but that my calling is reconciliation. Number three, he taught us value people the way God values them for our goal is not perfection, but our goal is progression. Um, number four, he taught us, faith without works is dead, and that my faith is shown in my footsteps. Number five, he taught us that our words have power, and we should tame our tongues to please God. 
Number six, he taught us, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, and all we have to do is ask God, and he will give wisdom to us. Number seven, he taught us, we are fighting the wrong fight. We're not fighting against flesh, we're fighting against spirits, and we win every fight when we surrender to God. Number eight, he taught us, tomorrow, and this was one of my favorites, tomorrow is God's responsibility to plan, and it's our responsibility to manage. And then last week, he taught us this, you are rich. If you missed last week, you're like, wait a minute, what happened? How did, how did they get rich? Uh, you, you are rich. God wants to get resource to you so that he can get it through you. When I look at it that way, I understand why most theologians call the book of James the Proverbs of the New Testament, because you can just see how there's bullet points and impacting our lives. And so we, you know, here, now here we've gathered, and James is getting ready to read uh, we're getting ready to read the last few verses that James wrote in this letter. Uh, again, if you're visiting, James wrote this letter, and it got presented to the churches, and they would read it all the way through. And so we've kind of taken it bit by bit, and we're about to read the last part together and then see what James is telling us this week. So here we go. James chapter 5, starting with verse 13, going to verse 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. <clears throat> if they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives an example. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed. This time he prayed that the heavens would give rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. As James began to write this letter to the church, he was very informed and what was going on in the church and how the church felt. We talked about this. Their faith was struggling. They had been dealing with persecution. They had turned on each other. They had gotten into favoritism for those who had money, and the church was just going crazy. And so James sits down to write this letter knowing that their faith is struggling. And the main reason their faith is struggling is because the things they are believing for are not lining up with what they're seeing. And this is often what happens to the local church. The things that we believe God for don't line up to what we're actually seeing. And so that's when our faith begins to struggle. And what James ultimately says in the first part of what we just read is this. You need to pray. You need to pray. He's so focused on the problem is we're not praying enough. We need to pray and we need to pray. And he's so passionate about prayer. And I want to show you today why it's important for us to pray and what James is saying. And number one is this, that prayer is for everyone every day. Prayer is for everyone every day. Look what he said in verse 13 and 14. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let them sing praises. In other words, let them pray and thank God. Is anyone among you sick? Let them pray and be healed. James was saying, no matter where you are, if you're happy, pray. If you're sad, Pray. If you're rich, pray. If you're poor, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you're wealth, if you're, if you're healthy, pray. James was saying it doesn't matter where you are, you need to pray. It was a writing technique that literature calls mirrorism, and here's what it is. He was setting two different extremes. And the best way I could explain it for me to understand was that it's kind of like saying from A to Z. 
Okay, so he, he said, A, anyone happy, Z, anyone sad. So he was setting these two extremes, A and Z, and then saying everything between it, everything from the worst to the best and everything in between. You ever been to the hospital and seen the pain chart? You know what I'm talking about? They have the little smiley faces, and it's like as the pain increases, the smiley face gets like an emoji, angry. and all. All right, So he's saying everything in between, watch this, you should involve God. Everything. If it's horrible, involve God, which we tend to. If it's great, involve God, which we should. And everything in between, whether it's persecution, whether it's, it's, it's some kind of improvement in job or, or a lack of improvement, whatever it is in the middle, you should involve God. Because here's why. Prayer is the only outcome that we should allow to determine our outlook. Okay? Facebook should not be allowed to determine our outlook. Your friend should not be able to determine your outlook. Okay? They're bitter. They want you to be bitter. Okay? Your relationship status shouldn't be what determines your outlook. The only outcome that you should ever come to that you should allow to dictate your outlook is prayer. It's the only one. Monday, so, so, so we took our kids this past week to go visit the grandparents one last time before they went to school. And I want to educate you real quick because I'm going to use them a couple times as illustration. I have a nine-year-old named Veda and a four-year-old named Casey Ray, both girls. And we took them to see the grandparents. We, left Sunday, we had a couple meetings Sunday night. We had the meetings and we left. We didn't get to Memphis till about 1230 in the morning or so. And so we pulled up. Of course, kids are sound asleep, carried them to bed. And then we go in, we go to sleep. And, and if, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this. I have a routine where I get up and go to the gym, and for the first hour that I'm in the gym, I pray. I just walk this track and pray, and then the second hour, I'll go and work out. And, and I made it a big deal for me that even if I'm out of town, I do that routine. So if we go out of town, even on vacation, I get a week-long membership somewhere, I find a place that has a track, and I keep my routine. So every, even, I went to bed at probably 1 o'clock, I woke up at 7, and slept in a little bit, got in the car and drove to the gym, and did the same process. Here's why it was so important. We had some drama going on work-wise, church-wise, personal-wise. You know how life is. And, and I woke up Monday with a bad outlook. I woke up Monday, like, feeling heavy. I had a lot of weight on me, a lot of pressure. I was worried about some things, a little disappointed in myself. You know, those kind of things. I just woke up Monday with a bad outlook. And, and I'm on vacation, right? I'm with my family on vacation, and I wake up already in a negative mindset. And so I go to the gym. And I get, it ain't nothing but me and about 350-year-olds, and we're just walking around the track together, you know what I mean? And, and I start to pray, and through worship music and prayer, the Lord starts to remind me that he's faithful, starts to remind me that he's in control, starts to remind me that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And then I get this text message from a good friend of mine that encourages me, and then that prayer time's over, and I go to work out, and I put on, I listen to two different sermons while I'm working out. And by the time I leave the gym, I've got a whole different outlook, right? I came in with one outlook, and I walked out with a different one. Now, the gym may not be yours. You may pray somewhere else. You may be a shower person. I don't know. But my point is, is that prayer has to be what you allow to determine your outlook. It has to be. Can I, like, the more I studied James, theologians had a nickname for him. You ready? Uh, this was James' nickname. I don't suggest you adopt this nickname. His nickname was Camel Knees. That was, you ever seen a camel? They got like the calluses on their knees. The reason why they called him that is because James had calluses on his knees because he prayed so much. So he walked in and be like, oh, here comes old camel knees. You know what I mean? Like that was his nickname. Imagine that for a nickname. But James loved to pray. And this is what James knew that he wanted us to understand that, hey, you're going to have bad days. But prayer will shift your outlook. 
If you will spend time, whether you're happy, then pray and thank God. There are times where I'm praying and I'm just going, God, you're so great. And then there are days where I'm praying and I'm going, God, where are you? And so no matter where you are, pray. And he knew this was important. And here's what I believe if James could tell us something today. Here's what he would tell us. Prayer is an open invitation for a divine invasion. It's open invitation, which means every person is allowed to participate. Well, I don't know the Greek and the Hebrew. It doesn't matter. It's an open invitation. Well, if you knew where I was this morning at four, it doesn't matter. It's an open invitation. You're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white, you're, you're short, you're tall. You're, it doesn't matter. It's an open invitation for a divine invasion which means that God wants to invade your situation. But it's, it's your decision on whether or not you allow him to do that. No matter what's happening to you, God has a purpose and a victory in it. But it's not until you allow him to invade your situation that you can realize it. A few weeks ago, we had some friends invite us to go jet skiing with them. They, they have a couple of jet skis, and we went on Piercy Priest, and we took our two kids. And it was the first time they had ever jet skied. Darla and I had jet skied before, but it was the first time they had ever jet skied. And so we get out there, and my buddy, he's on one with his little girl, and I'm on one. And Veda, my nine-year-old, gets in front of me, and our wives are on one apiece. And then my littlest, Casey Ray, gets on the jet ski with my buddy. And she gets in front of him, so it's her, my buddy, and then his daughter. And, and we're going out. So I'm kind of the first one to get out, and I'm, I'm going through the no-wake zone. And it's got like a little trigger on the handle that you just pull, and it, and it shoom. It's like putting pedal to the metal, right? It can go up to like 80, 90 miles an hour. I let that thing go, okay? I was trying to flip it. And so... Um, I, I start going, I, I get about 30, 40 miles an hour, and Veda's like, no, 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 daddy, daddy, stop, 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 stop. And so I slowed it down, and I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm scared, I'm scared. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to go fast. And so I put it back up to about 30 or 40, and she's like, daddy, daddy, and this was kind of our routine for a while, right? Meanwhile, now my wife and my buddy's wife and him and, and our kids have gotten onto the lake, and Casey Ray, my little, she goes, daddy, and I look over, and my buddy's got her in front of him, right, and she goes, daddy, and she just floored that thing, I'm talking about, she just, Murr! and the whole jet ski went up like this, it was just a complete willy, she was like, woo, boom, and I'm waiting, like, I'm like completely still waiting to see, and when it hit, all I saw was this, and they just, I mean, I don't think they ever did less than 80 miles an hour the entire time. Like, she's just flying and going. And here's the deal. They both had open invitations. They both had the same invitation to let it all go. One chose to be a little bit timid, and one chose to just go for it and to just go after it. And when it comes to the presence of God, we all have the same invitation. But for some reason, some of us are timid, and no, no, I don't, I don't want to. And some of us just go, what do I got to lose? And they dive in, and when you dive in, he invades you in a divine way, and it transforms your outlook, and it transforms your outcome, and it's life-changing. It's life-changing. I will say this. It was funny. Uh, Veda, Veda got on with her mom, and her mom was way more patient with her. And by the time the day was over, she was, she was up 50, 60 miles an hour having a good time. Casey Ray was sound asleep. <laughs> One time we were coming back in, and I was holding her. She was like this. I was holding her with this hand and trying to steer with this hand. Because some of us, listen, I I'm not hating on people who start slow. It's okay to start slow because you may persevere longer. And some people, they all, they're all excited and they jump in, but, but they, 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 they check out quick. You know what I mean? So, so I'm not judging how you get going. I'm just telling you that it's wide open for you. 
and that there's no, there's no uh, uh, denomination and there's no theology and there's no human being that's preventing you from becoming face-to-face with God. You don't have to have a candle lit and the right song playing. You don't have to have a saxophone or a prayer napkin. All you got to do is just put, you don't even got to put your hands together. I don't know what to do with my hands. It doesn't matter. It's open invitation to a divine invasion. And James says, do it. And he's like, look at my knees. I wouldn't be old camel knees for something that doesn't impact my life. People are like, you go on vacation and you still get up and go to the gym? You, You must be passionate about working out. No. Do I look like I'm passionate about working out? I'm passionate about going to prayer. Workout's just the reason to explain why I drink pre-workout. You know what I mean? You can't drink it, pray, and go home. That and I want to eat cookies. So it just is what it is. Listen, y'all, we, 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 get, our, we get our today, right? You're, you're about to get Monday in your hands. And, and what James is saying is that when you pray, you find out that today has its own victories in it. And, and we tend to look at today, or, or tomorrow for that matter, and go... I don't have much. What, what am I going to pray for? Uh, I don't have much to thank God for, and I don't really have much faith to pray for something, so I don't really have much. And what I think James is teaching us is that when we learn to pray, watch this, we start to value what we have, and we start to see the power in what we got and how we can use what we got, all right? So, so, so watch this. When it came to... Um, uh, uh, the, the, the Moses, and, and he's, getting, he's getting chased between the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army. He, he doesn't really know what to do, and God says, he starts to pray, and God says, what's in your hand, right? So it's his staff. What do you, what do you got? When it came time to feed 15,000 people, supposedly, and the disciples are going, Jesus, we don't know what to do because we don't have any food, and we've got all these people, and they've got children, and you know, they're going to eat everything. What, what are we going to do? And, and Jesus prays, and God says, What's, what, 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 what do you have, right? we got a sack lunch, so you take that. It's amazing to me how when we pray, we start to see the value in what we have. And so I know you might not think you have a lot tomorrow, but if you pray, you find out there's something in what you have, and you can use it to do great things for the glory of God, but you have to start valuing what's in your hands. And if you don't think you got much, I will dare you to do one thing. Let God invade it. Because you're right, it may not be much in your hands, and that's fine. It may be very, very, it may be, I don't have a lot of money, I don't have a great job, I don't have a boyfriend, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have any friends. I don't, I don't, whatever you think you don't have, let God invade it. And watch what happens every time. Prayer is for every person every day. Every day. It's an open invitation. Right now, I told every one of you, I have rented Chick-fil-A out. And for the first time in all of the world, it's open on a Sunday. And when you leave, you can all come and eat. All of you are coming because you want Chick-fil-A. The presence of God is better than an eight-piece chicken nugget. And it's an open invitation. Just Come when you get in your car today and you're going home before you cuss your kid out. Begin and just start to pray and start to talk to God. Have a divine intervention. Right? Man, I I preach that all day. But you get it. Secondly is this. Prayer, Prayer 
will help shift your perspective. So first prayer is for everybody every day. Second, it helps shift your perspective. Look what James says in verse 15 and 16. He says the prayer that's offered in faith is going to make the sick person well. The Lord's going to raise them up, and if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've always heard people say, you need to thank God for the little things. That's what I always hear people say, like, we thank God for the big things, but you need to thank God for the small things. I, I think, that's <laughs> how they sound. I, I think if, you, if you're in here and you sound like that, I am not mocking you, okay? Um, I, I think we do a great job thanking God for the small things. We all thank him for the parking spot. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Target, <laughs> right? We all thank him for our food. You're gonna, you're gonna eat that without blessing it. We, we, we all thank him for, for the job interview. Thank you, God, for that. Job. It's my 13th this week, but thank you, God. Like we, we don't struggle thanking him for the small things. I think we struggle in uh, overlooking and beginning to take for granted the big things. I think we thank him for the small. I think, it's, I think it's the big things that we take for granted and that we overlook. And I think James would tell us this. If we will spend more time praying, God will remind us of the big things that he's already done and is doing. And you can still thank me for the small things. That's fine. But you will become overwhelmed in trying to thank me for the big things. So let me just take you through the three I think James is talking about. The first one is this, the miracle of salvation. Just the miracle of there it is. It, we, I could drop an invisible microphone and I could take this little headset off and drop it like Drake and we could walk out right now for the miracle of salvation. Look what he said in James 5.15. For if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Thank you, God. Done. I don't, look, if you got a flat tire, who cares? You're saved, right? If you woke up today and the coffee pot don't work, it doesn't matter. You got salvation, you were going to hell for eternity. And Jesus Christ died a sinner's death before you ever even acknowledged his existence. He died for you so that you could have salvation forever. Who cares that school starts back this week? Who cares? You've got salvation. At some point, we have just kind of overlooked it, right? We got to understand the gift of it. A friend of mine who goes to church here, she put on her Instagram a, a while back this picture, and I about died laughing. This was the best picture I've ever seen. Uh, look at this, okay? So it says, it says, when your kids say you never buy me anything, all right, look at this. <laughs> put a bow on the water. <laughs> put a bow on the light switch, a bow on the stove, and bow on the milk and bread. Can I get an Amen. I wish you would, little child. Say something else. I'm broke. I'm working two jobs so that you can have water. I ought to just back. I need counseling, just in case you can't tell. I need some parental counseling. Uh, but I love this. I'm like, this is so, every time my daughter says, you know, I'm, I just want to walk over to the washing machine and be like, like you, you got clothes on right now? You got clothes on right now? Shut up. You know, I mean, I just, that's obvious. And it was so funny because I saw this and I just saved it because I thought, oh, this is so great. I'm going to show my kids this one day. And the Spirit of God just checked me this week and said, hey, hey, I could do this with the cross. Yeah. 
You keep asking for all this stuff, and I could walk up, put a bow on the cross, and go, you need more than this? God, I need more money. Look what I did. If I did this, you don't think I'm going to take care of that? At some point, you have to... Is it weird that salvation's become the Christmas sweater gift? Where you look at salvation and go, oh, thank you, and then throw it over your shoulder? Thank you, God. Appreciate it. Moving on. Where's the toys? That's what we do, and God's saying, I gave you the greatest gift ever. And I promise to take care of you from here on out. So if we need a reason to pray and we need a reason to praise, we don't have to look very much further than the only gift that mattered to begin with. The miracle of salvation. And Matthew, the Pharisees came into where Jesus was. He had just healed this man who was, uh, couldn't walk. He was lame. Pharisees walked in and they're like, Oh, you're going to tell the man he can walk? He can get up and walk on a Sunday, and it's a holy day, and you're not supposed to heal? And I love what Jesus said, because he's a, obviously he's a G with a capital G. Right, he's, just, he's just OG. And he said, which one's easier, to tell this guy to get up and walk or to tell him his sins are forgiven? Here's what Jesus was saying. Which one do you value more, your physical healing or the eternal spiritual healing? Right? And listen, I, I'm for healing just as anybody else's. I'm, I'm for provision, and I'm for deliverance, and I'm for all of those things. But I don't want to find myself in a place where I yearn for those more than I'm appreciative for salvation. You know what I mean? Like, think you've done enough, God. You've done enough. This time's the blink of an eye. So if I got to go through it this way, it is what it is. I'll go through it because at the end of the day, I've got the greatest gift, which is salvation. And prayer helps you realize that. If you start praying, you're quickly going to realize, thank God for salvation. Why? Because you realize how horrible you are. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I realize how horrible I am. And so when that happens, I become extra thankful for the gift of salvation. Second is this, the miracle of faith. Look what he said, in, and again, in 515, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. Can I tell you something? You're already operating in a miracle just by being at church today. Because you're operating in faith. Do you know how weird it is for a human being to operate in faith? Those of you that give financially to this church, you're operating in faith. Those of you that showed up this morning and served, you're operating in faith. Those of you that gave your kids to people and V-kids, you're operating in faith. Those of you that served in the parking lot, you're in faith. Those of you who are running production right now, it's all in faith. The people who came out and led us in worship, it's in faith. We're all operating in faith. Because here's why. We're doing all this believing that we're doing it for God. And that the only thing that matters is God. I'm, I'm in faith right now. Preaching this to you is in faith. That right there is enough reason to thank God because I got faith. It's like the George Michael sermon. I got to have faith, the faith, the faith, the... Y'all know about that, do you? I'm too old for some of y'all. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you look, it's just, wow, faith. Okay, listen. We spend so much time pointing out that Peter walked on water. But wasn't the big thing the faith to step out of the boat to begin with? Right? We give David so much praise for killing Goliath. Wasn't the big thing to get on the field with him to begin with? Mary giving birth to Jesus. Yay! Wasn't it faith to just tell Joseph she was pregnant? They hadn't been together. Because you imagine, hey, brother, God, tell you something. If you go in the bathroom, there's going to be a stick. And, uh... 
It's an angels. You know what I mean? Like, it's just what, what in the world? Like, the faith that's in that moment. And I just believe James is trying to tell us this. Don't discount you operating in faith. It's the greatest thing God gives you while you're here on earth. Salvation was your gift for eternity, and if it wasn't for faith, he'd have just took us up right then. Just come on, come be with daddy, right? Just go up. But God said, I've got a gift for you, and it's operating in faith and living in faith and doing great things in my name that I don't want to do you a disservice by not giving you. So here, have faith, and when you pray, you are reminded of your faith. The place that I prayed at this past week was the very place I prayed when God told us to move here and plant this church. And I was two different people. The first time I was there, I was scared to death because I didn't know any of y'all were here and I didn't know any of y'all would want to come here. But this week I was there and y'all are here. And so it's a cool moment to be able to say, God, that was faith I was operating in. Thank you for faith. So, so there's salvation, which if I pray, I recognize salvation. And then there's faith and then I believe there's this, the miracle of righteousness. He said in 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Most of us read that and we immediately check ourselves out because we're not righteous. So that's it's not me. It's not me. I'm not righteous. Well, the Bible says that Abraham was made righteous by his faith. So if you were amening to point two that I just said, then, then you are righteous. If you're operating in faith, you are righteous. Now, you're not perfect. Please get that straight. I don't need your pride. Okay? You're not perfect. We're not here for perfection. We're here for progression. So, of course, you're not per- you won't be perfect to the day you enter heaven, but you are not who you were. Right? So, you're not perfect, but who you were pre Christ, that's not who you are anymore. And I think James is saying, hey, hey, we get so caught up in trying to be perfect. We get so caught up in the sin we're in right now and the struggles we're in right now that we don't take a minute and pray and say, God, thank you that I'm not who I used to be. Right? Did y'all see when this thing, this craze happened called the face app where people could get old? Did y'all see that? I got a couple examples that, that, that I saw that I wanted. Look, look at some of these, okay? So this is the George Clooney looking guy right here. That was not appropriate. Um, this is Scout. If y'all know Scout, our drummer right here. He, he uh, yeah. He, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff played, what, what, is that a guitar? What is it he plays? Yes, thank you. Okay, sorry, Jeff, no offense, I just don't know instruments. So, and then here's Jamal, right, right, Jamal, right here. okay, so is that beautiful? So I thought this was so funny because, listen, isn't it weird that we spend all this money on making sure we don't have wrinkles, but then when this app comes out, we're, like, publicly showing the worst we're ever going to look. Like, oh, look at me, I look horrible. You know what I mean? Like, it's just funny. So, so I'm looking at that. Don't change it yet because I, I want to I wanna cue you on my next pictures. So I, I'm thinking about this this week, and I'm thinking about who I was compared to who I am and, and wh- wh- what I was doing and where I was and how God's brought me. And if you knew me at 16, you wouldn't even show up to church. But because we're here and God's done so much, then I started thinking about you. And I started thinking, oh, my goodness, what was 10 years ago you like? You know what I mean? I bet you was a hot mess. And so I started thinking about it. And I, here's what I said. I said, all of a sudden, I just kind of felt God tell me to say, what if there was an app? that don't, don't do the pictures yet. I'm going to cue the pictures. What if there was an app that showed you old you? <laughs> right? So here you are, and you're, you're, you're spiritual churchgoer, dream teamer, man, woman of God, and what if you could get an app and be like, boop, and it would show you who you were 12 years ago, and be like, this was you pre-Christ, and you'd be like, oh, you know, oh my goodness, and we would, 
call it the Faith app. Not the Face app, but the Faith app. I'm, I'm in the process now of creating this, in case you're wondering. So then I thought, let's, let's take these four individuals, and let, if we had that app, this is what it would look like. Go ahead, go ahead and throw that picture up there. Look at some of these individuals right here. Now, because I'm the pastor and I controlled this, I got the best picture up here. You know what I mean? However, he looks like he's up to no good. You know what I'm saying? This dude needs Jesus quick. Look, look at this thing right here. <laughs> now, in his defense, this was Halloween, and he's dressed up for Halloween, but wow, okay. I'm, how many of y'all want to say bring back the blonde and pink mohawk? You want to say, yeah, 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 bring it back. All right. Check out this beauty right here. He's got seashells in his hair, folks. We are in Memphis, Tennessee. We ain't in Destin, Florida. Why you got seashells in your, like, this, this is the pre-Christ, right? You can take it off. I won't embarrass them anymore. Some of them, I didn't even let them know I was doing that. That's how much they love me because I knew they would say no. But, but I just want you to catch a glimpse for a second. You can take, take them off. Bless their hearts. Take them off. I just want you to catch a sin of it for a second. Could you imagine what if I would have went to your Facebook and got your picture? You know what I mean? You would have left church today. But I'm just saying, like, for a sec, can we just take a second? Can we just remember where we were pre-Jesus? Can we just talk for a second about where God has brought us from? For one moment. Do I got one person that would just praise God for five seconds about where you came from, who you were, and where you are now and what he's done in your life? James says you need to pray. You need to pray, not because of little things and not because of things you want, but because of what God has already done. He's already saved you. He's already using you in faith. And he's already making you righteous. And who you were is not who you are. And God deserves the praise for that. Amen? Woo! So I wrote up a declaration for us. A declaration that... I want you to say every morning, when I had that thing happen Monday after I left the gym and felt better, I messaged our ministry directors and I said, if you don't have a prayer time, you better get one now because it's so important. Here's the declaration for you. Ready? Let me, let me sorry, I, I'm not going to use that verse, so you can, you can go on to that declaration. Today, prayer is not for my problems. So today, as I get ready to pray, it's not for my problems it's to move me closer in proximity to God so that my perspective can be shifted to see the promises that God has already fulfilled. So when you wake up, hopefully you brush your teeth, and you go to pray, prayer is not for your problems. Now, you can ask God for stuff, and you can lament to God. We've talked about this before. But say this. Say to yourself, God, I'm not here for my problems. I'm here to move closer in proximity to you so that you'll shift my perspective so that I can see the promises you've already fulfilled in my life and I can thank you and praise you for what you've already done instead of spending this time asking you to do something else. Amen? Amen. So prayer is for everyone. It's for every day. Prayer changes our perspective and then prayer pivots. Prayer pivots. You say, well, what, what does that mean? So let me explain. I had, I had a weird time studying this week. I want to read to you verses 19 and 20 real quick. 
says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. As I was studying this, I had this thought. I kind of felt like James pivoted. I, I felt like he was going one way, and then he just kind of went the other way. But like, I felt like he was, you know, prayer this and pray that. No matter what you're going through, pray, pray this, pray that. And then just, Arr! if somebody was to go away from the Lord, you need to bring him back. And I just, I just had this thought pop into my head. I'd been listening to a sermon that, that had the word pivot in it. And I, I just had this, I was like, did, did James just, did J- I said, God, did James just pivot on me? And the reason why that related to me is because I'm a basketball guy. So, so shoot me this. Pivot is a basketball term, okay? Any of you in here basketball people? Don't lie, you're in church, okay? And so we're going to three-on-three game afterwards for your car. Okay, and so um, you get, so, so here's how, so someone passes you the ball, and if you know basketball, you dribble. But if you pick up your dribble, okay, you then, let me get, let me get my stance. So you have what they call a pivot foot. So this is going to be my pivot foot, okay? It's planted. It can't move. Now, you can lift up everything but your toe. It'll be your big toe if you got big hairy toes. But, but this, this has to be planted, and this can move. So, for example, if you pass me the ball and I wanted to pivot, I could pivot like this, okay? So I can move around, but this leg has to stay. So I can, you know, if somebody's guarding me, you probably see if you ever watch basketball, it's a sport with the ball like this. If you ever watch it, they'll move. They'll do, but watch it. If they lift this up, they're out. It's no foul, whatever the call is. It's been a long time. <laughs> Travel. Thank you. Maybe I don't play basketball. Okay, so, so pivot foot, boom, boom. All right, it makes sense? Makes sense? Okay, all right. So, so, so you four, come here real quick. Come here, come here, come here. Do you want to come up here? If not, I'll take Miss Brianna because I know you got high heels on. So, okay, so that's my wife, y'all. That's why I talk to her like that. Don't worry. Come on up here, girl. Okay, all right. So, all right. So, so while they're coming up here, let me read this verse to you again. My brothers and sisters, which means he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to unsaved people. He's talking to Christians. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back. Listen, some of you may have been raised on the whole once saved, always saved. doesn't work that way. But let me explain this to you. You cannot lose your relationship with God, nor can someone take you from your relationship with God. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says no one can pluck you from the hand of God. Okay, so no one, no, nothing you can do. However, you can choose to abandon your faith. I used to say it like this, you could choose to grab God's fingers and pry them off of you, step down, and walk away. That's still your choice, okay? It's, it's still, even, even if you accepted Christ today, you could still decide later on to totally abandon your faith. You can. Now, no one can take it away from you, but you can choose to abandon it. So put that verse back up because I, I want them to see this. Um, and this is exactly what James is talking about. James is saying, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should ever wander from the truth, okay? So if one of you should ever wander, which means you choose to abandon your faith, if someone ever does that, so he's talking about us. So if one of us ever decides to abandon our faith, which is in Jesus Christ, and I don't mean if one of you ever stops coming to church. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, you stand up and say, I no longer believe in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So don't get it twisted. Pastor said if I don't come to church, I'm going to hell. That's not what I said. Okay. My brothers and sisters, I feel like Kevin Hart there for a second. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns the sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this is so cool. All right, so Jamal, you stand right here. Uh, Miss Nina, you stand right here. Andrea, you stand right there. Scout, kind of stand right there. Okay, so this was the picture God gave me. I said, I said, God, did, did James just pivot on me? And then God said, yeah, he pivoted. And I read it again, and watch this. 
So here's what he's saying. He's saying if James, it, the last sentence that James could tell all of us was this. Number one, get planted. Get planted. Get in a church, pray, serve, read your Bible, oh, just get planted. You gotta, you gotta, gotta get planted. And then, don't, don't, don't be like this. Some of us, it's all about me. Worship me. Sing my song, Jamalzi. You know what I mean? Like, so, so get planted. But then this foot, watch, what, watch the responsibility he gives us as Christians. This foot needs to be able to pivot so that you can check on your brothers and sisters, right? So you can be like, hey, you all right? Good? Hey, you all right? You good? Hey, you all right? You good? Hey, you okay? You good? Hey, you good? I saw that Facebook message. You good? Okay, you was wearing a trash bag. You cool? You good? Okay, okay. Okay, you good? <laughs> She's a fashion designer. She's the best. Buy her clothes. Okay, and so you good? You good? You good? Oh, you had seashells in your hair. You good? You good? Pivot. Okay, now, now watch this. Pivot. But in order to be able to pivot, you got to be what? Planted. Don't be trying to pivot without being planted. Because what you'll do is you'll discourage them further away from the Lord. You'll be like, he said what? And he came up there with them skinny jeans all rolled up, looking like he stepped fresh off the boat. I don't know. He said you need to be planted. Church, can you please hear this? This is the calling God has for us. Number one, be planted. You need to be in church. You need to pray. You need to worship. You need to serve. You need to be in the presence of God. Not for any other reason, but because only he can impact your outlook. So you need it. And then God says, hey, always check on your brothers and your sisters. Always pivot and just, hey, you good? You good? Hey, you good? See, sometimes, sometimes it takes a little effort. Sometimes you have, hold on. Sometimes it takes, it's harder than it looks. I'm going to make all y'all do it before you leave. Just teach you a lesson. But, but sometimes it takes a little effort. But, but this is what I believe James is saying. James said, if I'm going to end this letter, and I've taught them to not have favoritism, and I've taught them to watch what they say, and I've taught them to, to be able to go through trials, but I need them to understand that amongst all things, they need to be planted in God, and they need to be concerned about their brothers and sisters. Yes, concerned about those who are unsaved. Yes. You're going to hear me. we got a series coming up. We're going after everybody who didn't know Jesus. Because we're always about those who don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, we hope you know Jesus. But watch this. We're responsible for each other. And so if you start swaying or wondering, as James said, it's my responsibility to be like, yo, bro, Jamal, you good? And watch this. Can, can, can plant that left foot. All right. Now, now scoot back a little bit because you're going to pivot. Now start pivoting with me. Start pivoting with me. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's stop right there. Plant that left foot. Start pivoting. Real, real pivot. We look like Jackson 5 right now. We about to. A, B, C. Easiest one, two. Three. All right, left. Pivot. 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 Okay, left. Pivot. You're going to take the whole stage up, old long legs. Pivot. All right, now hold on. Hold on. You ready? 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 Go. Pivot. Now, I know right now some of you are like, where did we just come into? 
this is a circus. No, I just need you to see it. God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. God has called you and made you responsible for the brother and sister that's in this room with you. Look to your left. Look all, look all the way down. See that person? They're your responsibility. They are your responsibility. Look, look to your right. Look to your right. See that person? Some of you know them. Some of you don't. Some of you are like, who is that? If you don't know who it is, you need to learn today because they are your responsibility. And can you put the verse up there one more time? I'm sorry, bro. But listen to this. The person who does it, whoever turns, whoever turns, did you catch it? I'm going to do it one more time. Whoever turns a sinner from his way saves them from death and covers a multitude of sins. What's my reward for all the stress? You rescue them from death. And Christ covers a multitude of sins. You know why this should matter to you? Because somebody was pivoting for you. Somebody was checking, how you good? How you good? Can I tell you the problem with church? And I'm not on a soapbox, but I'm about to be. The problem with church is everybody expects the pastor to pivot. Hey, you good? How 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 you good? Hey, I lost my family. Why? Because I was too busy checking on you. But if I'm pivoting to some. And Nina, come on, baby. Nina's pivoting to some. And Andrea's pivoting. And Scout's pivoting. And Jamal's pivoting. Guess what? We're impacting so many lives. And we're turning so many people away from sin. And guess what? God, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm so tempted to make you do it. Oh, if those seats were just a little bit further apart, wait till we get a building. I'm making y'all pivot on the first day. Does it make sense, though? Does it make sense? But you got to be planted. Don't you start pivoting without prayer. That person will bring you down, and I'll have to come pivot both of you. You planted, pivot. Planted, pivot. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word that's been so alive to us the past 10 weeks. I thank you for everything that James has said and encouraged us with. I thank you for this church because I truly believe that they get it. And I truly believe that, God, you're going to continue to bring people into this place that need you. And, God, you've called us. You've called us to be responsible for them. And watch this. You've called them to be responsible for us. So, God, I pray that we would be planted. But then I pray that we would not neglect the importance of pivoting and checking on brothers and sisters and doing all we can to make sure that everybody is on that straight and narrow going after you, pursuing you, that their family is healthy and their relationships are healthy, that their mind is healthy, that their body is healthy, and that spiritually they're healthy. Thank you for your word that's taught us so much. I pray it would just continue to marinate in our spirit. And as we gather next week and we open up the concept of the dreams that you put on our heart, that we would not forget what James has said, but it would simply become foundation for everything that you're going to say to us as we move forward. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.